0: Welcome to the Teaching Middle School ELA Podcast, We're your hosts, Caitlin Mitchell and Jessica Kanata. If you're looking for ways to bring rigor and engagement to your middle school ELA classroom without sacrificing your nights and weekends, then this podcast is for you. Our goal is to provide you with your weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can actually enjoy teaching again. We'll help you bring the fun and creativity to your ELA lessons, so that your students master the standards and you can leave school when the bell rings. Get ready to be that teacher you've always wanted to be, to do great work and thrive. All right, teachers, I am so excited to have such an incredible guest with us today. Ashanti Branch is just an incredible educator in our field, who is transforming the way in which we interact with each other and connect with each other in the world. And we'll be talking about taking off the mask and showing up as your true authentic self. You know, each person has a set of shared human needs for support, for expression, recognition, meaning connection. And Ashanti believes that by closing the gap between who we are on the inside and who we show up as to work, to school, online, or on site, or whatever it is, that we create more meaningful connections, healthier communication, deeper engagement, and ultimately more powerful results. Ashanti is also the founder of the Ever Forward Club. And you can check all of his work out over on his website if you go to everforwardclub.org. And I'm just really looking forward to sharing your message with our listeners. Ashanti, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here with you.
0: Yes. Now, Ashanti, I want to start by having you share your story with our listeners, because I think that it sets the foundation for where this all stems from, where your movement of the Million Mask movement stems from for our teachers.
1: Yeah. So thank you for the intro. First of all, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, one of the things I always tell people when they read my bio is that, um I wrote that. So it's true. And, and I'm also clear that, you know, I yelled at somebody on the freeway this morning on my way to work, you know, like, (laughs) so I think like, I'm always trying to like, know that as much as I'm trying to do good in the world that, you know, I'm still human and I'm still trying to figure out how to be the best, my best self. And sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's easy on these days to be good and make all the good decisions. Sometimes, like I'm on the way to work in a hurry and people are on their phones and I'm yelling at people because I don't want to die on the freeway on my way to work. Right. Like like th- those things are real, true, too. So and it's what we talk about the mask. You know, I I never plan to be a teacher. First of all, for teachers out there, I love teachers. I love educators like I my mom was a teacher. I didn't know my mom was a teacher until I was like 14, 15 years old. I knew she was always having me great papers for her. So I guess I knew she was a teacher, but I didn't know that teachers had to go to college. Right. Because we were poor, like like teachers don't get paid what they're worth and what they value. Like, I know that when I got to when I got to become a high school student, I wanted to join this program called Upward Bound for first generation college students. And they told me, oh, Shanti, you know, you have a great application here. My application was in first. Like I, as soon as I got the application, I turned it in like the next day. I was like, I'm going to college. I'm going to do this. And they were like, unfortunately, this program is for first generation college students. I said, oh, yeah, we're poor. I'm that's me like no no no. that means that you're no one in your your family your parents could not have gone to college I'm like nobody went to college you're like it says right here your mom is a teacher I'm like what does that mean I didn't even know that to that day that my mom had went to college and I'm like wait a minute you mean my mom got an education and we this broke I mean I got holes in my shoes I got a jacket that's just for looks because it don't work it doesn't keep rain off of me like, I was confused as to how my mom would have chosen a career that lets us live in a way that I'm not happy. <laughs> I mean, she pretends that everything is fine, but I'm clear it ain't fine. I'm clear that some months we have to pay the PG&E, the light bill, as opposed to paying the other bills. I'm clear that sometimes we have to pay the rent instead of paying. Like, there's some negotiations have to be made each month to what gets paid and what gets paid a little bit of. Like That's not what a college educated person should live like. And I was clear that day when I found out that my mom had went to college to become a teacher that I was never, ever, ever going to be a teacher.
0: Mm.
1: And so I went to find the job that was going to pay me the most where I could be rich because I was tired of being poor. Poor was not fun. And if you've never experienced it, let me tell you, don't do it because it ain't fun. <laughs> it's not exciting. But I was clear that if I could work hard, I was I felt like I was smart and they told me I was good at math. So I went to school to be an engineer. I went to, uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, which is the top engineering school in the United States in the California, Central Coast, majored in engineering, graduated, started making money. Like what? This poor boy from Oakland now engineer making money. I moved to a city called Walnut Creek.
0: Oh, you <laughs> moved to Walnut Creek. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just listen to that. If you never even, if you don't know where that is, just what? Well, how does it sound? How does Walnut Creek sound? <laughs> That's how I lived, and I was. I, I thought I was happy, but I really mm. wasn't. I really wasn't. I was. I was just hunting for happy hour. Yep. Friday, 5 p.m. My happy hour began And Sunday around 7 p.m. I'm like, I got to go back on Monday. And I was clear that my journey of life was going to look different. And I was like, wait, what am I missing? I am I got a degree. I'm making good money. I'm partying all weekend. Why am I feel unfulfilled? Mm. And it wasn't until I got an invitation to t- tutor at Upward Bound. And I was like, man, tutoring when? Saturday mornings? I don't even see Saturday morning. I don't even know what Saturday morning looks like. I don't wake up till Saturday noon. And that invitation to come tutor at Upward Bound is what turned it all around. And my buddy was like, look, Ashanti, I just, you're, you're an engineer. Help me. I need an algebra teacher for, let me find somebody else. Give me a couple of months. Mm. You got two months. I gave up my Friday night party. Remember, how starts your happy hour? Happy hour starts on Friday. Like I was giving up my, most of my fun time of life to go tutor math. And I remember that for that first session, I remember just the fire turning on. A kid came in late. Now, I remember, I sacrificed my Friday night for these kids. I drive from Walnut Creek to Oakland. This kid walks in a half hour late. He's like Norm from Cheers. He's having, high-fiving everybody in the class. I'm like, have you lost your mind? I said, come here. Who are you? He said, I'm Damon. I'm like, why are you late, first of all? Like, do you? And I was kind of, I took it personal, right? I took it personal. And what happened with Damon that day is he changed my life. Mm. I was like, you're going to sit here in the front with me. He's like, no, I sit in the back. I'm like, not today. You don't. And literally from that week to the next week, when I had to come back, I was plotting what I was going to do with Damon. What? What? I'm not, I'm only here for two months. What are you worrying about this kid for? You only here for two months. And then you leave him back to your fun, happy hour. And I realized that my life had changed. That's how teaching called me. Teaching called me and I ran from it. So I changed jobs. Got a new job working almost an hour and a half away, each direction, without traffic. <laughs> Who does that? Who drives an hour and a half? Well, when you're chasing money, you'll do all kinds of things. I hate driving. I, I don't. I only drive for purpose. I have to drive to get to work because I have to be there. I drive to get home. I drive on the weekends to go get groceries and food. I'm not into driving. I was driving an hour and a half each direction because I was hunting for money, not fulfillment, not mm-hmm. for joy, not for passion not for purpose for money and i know what it feels like to feel still at the end of the day you come home you didn't drove three plus hours just to get to work and back and then you're like sitting on the couch playing video games like Mm -hmm. like it did it didn't fulfill me so i'm telling you that story because i want you to know that i wasn't trying to come to teaching like it called me and even when i tried to run from it it made the calling even stronger in my life so Went back to school, became a teacher, math teacher. And my first year teaching, I'm, a, I'm doing a horrible job. Like, I'm, I'm financially unfulfilled because teachers don't get paid really well. <laughs> and I'm, being a, I'm a failure in the class. What the heck? I mean, I signed up to be broke, right? Financially, I was like, I didn't have to be broken emotionally. <laughs> I didn't have to be in this job where I'm here every day on time, doing my work, homework, like grade, grading papers, making tests, and I'm coming to school every day and I'm seeing smart kids in my class failing. Mm. What's what's going on here? And so my journey there began to be like, what am I missing? Like, I, I'm gonna go back to the money. I'm clear that I'm not gonna be making this kind of money, being treated poorly by administration, and being a failure in the classroom. I, I'm, I, I refuse. <laughs> I re- and teachers were like, Oh, the uh, veteran teachers, they were like, Oh, just take two years and you'll, and ju- you'll be bad for two years. And then you'll get better. I'm like, you mean, I got to feel like this for two years. You have lost your mind. There- Ashanti ain't going to do that. And I was like, I'm going to leave. And my last resort was to reach into these young men one more time. And I said to them, look, um, I- I'm going to invite you to lunch. I'll buy you lunch once a week. In exchange for lunch, you teach me to be a better teacher. Mm-hmm. These, are, these are some young men in my classes who are smart. Br- I mean, I could see how smart they were. They were smarter than I was at their age. But they didn't even see it in themselves. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, you do you see how smart you are? Like, forget the academics. Forget the grades on the test. Like, do you see how brilliant you are? And most of them, because school is their only measure of figuring out whether they're smart or not, they feel like they were dumb because their grades would say Ds and Fs, which would be a dumb and a failure, right? Mm-hmm. What else would you think? And schools make you feel that way. You're doing bad in school. You must be a bad person. And I was like, forget the grade. You're not even trying. Like, like you got a D and you do not even try. Like, what what if you just try a little bit? What if you just put a little effort in here? What if you put as much much effort in here, getting, doing these numbers as you out trying to get phone numbers? If you put a little bit more effort in here, how about your life would be absolutely marvelous? Mm -hmm. And I think what I had to do is in a classroom setting, it wouldn't work because school is not cool in my community. School wasn't cool. So they had to be cool. And I'm like, well, how about we do it? And that's when those lunch meetings started. And those lunch meetings, they realized they were all going through similar stuff. They were all going through drama and life and trouble and problems. They couldn't talk about it because in our community, men don't got feelings. You ain't got no emotions, suck it up, grow some, whatever, like whatever names and things they tell you and your men and boys in your community to conform them to not showing feelings. We're surprised at why young men can become so disconnected, angry and creating chaos in our world. And if you haven't seen it lately, I live in the United States. I live here in California. It's, it's, it's unfortunate the amount of things that young men are doing. Seemingly with no emotion. Mm. <laughs> well, they didn't grow up that way. They didn't grow up not feeling things got chased out of them it got nurtured out of them and what we do today is we expect them to somehow naturally be empathetic caring people when we told them as little boys suck it up put those tears away men mm-hmm. don't cry and then we wonder how they can be emotionless and do really horrible behavior so our work started with me in that classroom doing, feeling like a failure and saying like i'm gonna try one more thing and when those when those lunchtime meetings began to work I was clear what my work was about. i was clear that it wasn't to be teaching necessarily mathematics. It was to transform education in a way for those kids who were like me when I hated school. If you have any kids in your classes who hate school, if you were ever a kid who hates school, you know what I'm talking about. But if you love school your whole life, to me, the kid who hates school may be hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like, I hated school. And I didn't care about no teachers. I'm not a mean person. But my life got a lot of problems going on. I don't got time to be worrying about you and your social studies, your history, your math, your whatever. Now, math was easy for me. Math was really easy for me most of the time. So my, people were confused. Like, I would finish my math work, and then I would be in the back chit-chatting and talking. And then Mr. Lake, who was my nemesis in middle school, he'd be like, "Shanji, stop talking. And I'd be like, I'm finished. <laughs> I love doing that to Mr. Lake. He hated it, but I loved it. And also, he, the, the work was too easy it was it was easy i was done and then he was like well sit quietly you must have lost your mind you know what happens in the back in math class in the back in my school in math class that was sex ed because the dudes in the corner always talked about sex you think i got time to be listening to you talk about some stuff i already done and already know how to do and i'm going to hear about what happened on the weekend like I got more out of, I got, no, it was not healthy sex ed, but it was, it was sex ed in a way, right? (laughs) Um. Anyway, I can tell you stories after story, but I want you to (laughs) know that I became an educator because I knew how the kids got treated when they didn't like school. And I think that my job was to help kids who didn't like school to say, well, forget liking school. What do you, what do you want to do in the future? And let's figure out what you're going to need to do to get there. And that means you need to graduate. Then you got to like, not like school, but you got to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. You got to, you got to hate it and still do it anyway. That's part of life. And so we began to help these young men begin to realize that they have goals and dreams. They want big things in life. And they are gonna have to deal with some of the bumps and bruises and some of the things they don't like to do. And that's how it all started. That's how the Ever Forward Club started. I mean, this is 18 years ago. It's hard to believe. Right. But 18 years ago of stories of young people who have allowed their lives to be transformed. I didn't change their life. They changed their life. But they were willing to listen mm. to some other voices that was taking them away from what they had believed growing up. Because if you've never seen anybody in your family do anything positive or successful, how would you think it was possible? Mm-hmm. You just think it's always in the book or in the magazine or in the success story of somebody on TV. But if you've never seen nobody do it for real and met them and, and, and saw a human heart beating, you think everybody is some kind of superhero with superpowers and not realizing that you are too. You just haven't tapped into your your gifts yet. So. Anyway, that's a long overview. I don't know how much more you want me to go, but I could talk forever, you know? But that's how- I love
0: listening to your story. And, <laughs> and it's so interesting because I feel like everything along your journey happened for you. Yeah. You know, like the fact that you went to that tutoring session one time randomly because your friend needed help yeah. led to every single event afterwards that has led you to where you are today, impacting education and the world, quite frankly, in such a profoundly beautiful way. And I just love that so much. Thank you for sharing your story. And I know that it's relatable to a lot of our listeners as well, in terms of just having difficult students who don't want to be at school, who don't love school or feeling unfulfilled in terms of, you know, teachers don't get paid the way that they should get paid. And it is emotionally challenging. It is a very emotionally challenging profession. And I think when we get to tap into like a deeper why of teaching as opposed to just like you were saying, just teaching math or just teaching English in the case of our listeners, it's a, it's such a deeper journey to become and be and stay in education than to just teach someone a couple of vocabulary words, you know, it's so much more impactful than that. Um, So I would love to know the whole concept of what you were alluding to about, you know, young men not being able to show their feelings and express their feelings. How does that tie into now, like your movement of the masks that we wear and being our authentic selves, Um, not just for our students and helping our own students do that in the classroom, but for ourselves as teachers and just human beings as well.
1: Yeah. 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 And I'll say for all the English teachers in the room, uh, I I, uh, my, the teacher who changed my life was Miss BP. Uh, Miss BP was an English teacher. I didn't like her class, but I liked Miss BP and she she didn't care that I didn't like her class. Mm -hmm. She was like, I don't care. You still go do the work. (laughs) It was not like she was like taking it personal. She didn't like make me a bad person because I hated her class. Like she she respected me. I respected her. I just didn't like English. Right. And also there was some rules in my community. You can't be sounding like you too smart. So I would always, anytime reading time, she'd be coming down the aisle. I'd be like, I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta go, I gotta go. And I would like go to the bathroom. I would not really go to the bathroom. I would just time it when she's going to pass me for the readers. Okay. She's back me behind me. Okay. Now I go back to class. I sit down like i have already good. She passed over me because I can read. I could read mm-hmm. really well, but I, it was a lot of work to pretend like I have to read bad. So I prefer her to skip me. So I'll come back and then she'd be like, Oh, Shanti, you're back go ahead it's your turn i'm like no nah, no nah, just go ahead over go, go let them go you know let, let that kid over there go and then i gotta like pretend like i'm a bad reader it's, it's a lot of work you know what i'm saying like i got friends i gotta like i gotta impress people i got i can't be i can't be a good reader in front of all of these mm-hmm. kids i gotta impress people you know so but she was like she sometimes caught it and one day in detention because i was in detention a lot of times in her class she said "Ashanti, you're too smart to be acting like you're not Mm. she's like i know you're sad that your father died before you were born but life doesn't give you what you want life gives you what you get Mm. and you got to make the most out of it and she changed my life that day like i was not focused on school ever i i was angry i was sad i was angry but sad in my community is not okay anger is okay if you're a little boy in my community if you're angry enough people don't mess with you (laughs) Mm. if you're sad people always mess with you so i just turned the sadness into anger and so i was angry enough that no one really bothered me but I was deep down dealing with emotions that no one even acknowledged. My mom, my mom, I love my mom. Love, she knew she loved me. My mom didn't acknowledge that I was sad that my father was dead. She, she was too busy working and taking care of my siblings. And like all these things that she was having to do to na- take care of a family. No one looked out for what I was feeling because I was supposed to pretend like I wasn't feeling anything. And so when, when I think about the movement with the mask, I learned early on how to wear a mask. My mom would ask me how I'm doing after school. I'm like, oh, fine. Everything's good. I knew how to answer a question to keep her moving. I knew how to give her an answer that's going to keep the conversation going to somebody else. Oh, everything was good. Good day. Yeah, I'm doing fine. <laughs> guess what? How many times have you as an adult told one of your colleagues in the copy room or in the lunch room or at some event you said you're doing fine when you're not fine? Mm-hmm. When you said you're good and you're not good. When you said everything's okay when it's not okay. Well, if you know what it's like, then you can imagine the young people know what it's like. And how often are we ask people how they're doing and everyone's saying fine. So we think we're checking in with people, but we're not really checking in because everyone just says fine, good, cool, okay, cool. And maybe one kid says, well, I had a rough weekend and then no one wants to hear from that kid because we're like, hey, you're not following the formula. The formula is supposed to be, I ask the question, you give me a quick answer and I keep moving because I didn't really ask to ask. I ask because it's a it's a pattern that we do as adults in communities where we ask people how they're doing and we don't really even take time to listen. Mm. That's the work. And when the mask movement began, it was me realizing that there were some students in my class who would come to class and you could ask them all day long, how you're doing. You could see on their face that they were not doing okay. And they'd be like, man, why are you up in my business? Why they would like blame you for seeing something that you weren't supposed to see. Cause somehow you were supposed to, Ignore the fact that you could tell that something was energetically wrong with them. But what if you didn't notice? Like I felt everything. Uh, I felt all kinds of things. There's a book by Mark Wolin called It Didn't Start With You. and It's about how childhood trauma sometimes comes in our DNA. It comes in our genes. It comes before we even show up on the planet. And what I know is that before I was born, my mom was grieving the loss of my father. Like Grieving. And what the book describes of what was happening in the womb is that mm-hmm. I, Ashanti, was swimming in sadness for months. Swimming in chemical sadness in months. And as my mom gave birth to me, swimming in emotional sadness of this woman trying to raise a boy by herself and now figuring out how to do it alone. And so I picked up on all that. There's a lot of uh, genetic and uh, coding things you're picking up on by people's behaviors, by their ideas and by their opinions, and by their thoughts and the, the wrinkles in their forehead and the things you see. So I became very aware emotionally of everything around me. And guess what? I'm a feeler. And so imagine me in middle school and high school where I feel everything, but I'm not allowed to feel anything. So I got to turn all these emotions off. I can tell when people are having an argument, I can tell when people are sad. I felt things that I wasn't supposed to feel. Or my community said I wasn't supposed to feel. It's exactly what made me special. But guess what? No one saw that as special in my community. They saw me as weak or soft or uh, many other names that may use in your community. And that's what happened. So the mask movement was already a part of me from a little kid learning how to navigate my mom and have a good mask to keep her cool. And then I come to become a teacher and I'm like watching all these kids. I'm like, what's going on with them? They're so smart, but they're not acting. They're not showing it. I'm watching masks every day. Now we weren't doing the mass when I first started teaching. I was just seeing it and ever before a club started. We weren't talking about mass in that context, but when we began to do this work, when the documentary, the mask you live in came out, our work began to grow and that is the activity. So um, the way the activity works is we ask people to share one picture in six words. And you can make one too. You can make one anonymously. All the masks are anonymous. I don't know who masks belong to, but we have masks from all over the world. I have some here on my desk. I'll show you in a second. Um, But the front of the mask is what we gladly let the world see about us. What are the things and qualities of yourself that you gladly let the world see? That's the front of the mask. And if you think about behind that mask, what are the things you don't talk much about? You don't let people see. You don't have a place that you can feel safe talking about some of those things. Maybe it's not things that you hide. Maybe it's just things that no one ever asks you about. So it never comes up. Or you never think anybody cares. So you never bring it up the stuff that's really real for you truly that's the mask it's one picture in six words you know we've done we've helped over 65,000 people to make masks that we've been able to collect over 180,000 materials have gone out to educators all over the world what we know is that when teachers take this experience with their students it's transforming Mm -hmm. like if you go to the website there's a website millionmask.org millionmask.org we created a digital tool so the pandemic came all of our works was in person we would go to schools we do workshops we would uh and then the pandemic came we're like all of our work is in person what do we do now and that that tool had just been in this prototype stage and we started using it and that's where people can go online and make a mask and so let me just show you one so i'm talking yeah. about these masks and maybe it's um let's see <laughs> Here's one. Okay, this, I mean, I'm trying to find a younger person, but this is, adult. This is an adult. So most all of all you are adults, but I want to show you some teens because I think it's good to see what the young people say. Um, the mask is a really beautiful representation of what happens uh, behind what we can't see. And imagine if all day long when we see in our students, we're, we're not giving them a space to talk about it. So here is a, okay, this is a 19 year old. I'm, I'm gonna get another younger one, but here's a 19 year old so mm. if you look on the front this is, that's the left side the front of mask it says can you read the front for me yeah
0: genuine real and loyal and this is what you let people see
1: yeah and then the back of the mask which is the things that he doesn't let people see
0: is hurt angry and tired
1: yeah that's a 19 year old male right um these are some of the teenagers these, these teens didn't put their ages on them so uh, i'm gonna leave those on but i'm gonna let you see an adult here's an one from an adult okay That was a nineteen-year-old male from San Francisco, and this one is one that was uh, mailed to us. Okay, so this is the. Okay, so what we let
0: people see is humor, interests, and values.
1: That's the front of the mask. The back of the mask.
0: Family life, trauma, and relationships.
1: That's a forty-three-year-old female from
0: Lansing, Lansing, Michigan. Michigan. And so
1: people mail masks that got mailed to us in the mail. And so we've collected masks from all over the world. And Mm -hmm. what we know is that when we give people a chance to recognize it's not just me, like I got good at this mask for a reason. We don't tell people they shouldn't have masks. Our work is not saying no one should have masks. I got good masks. You know what I mean? I didn't have to tell you that I yelled at somebody on the freeway this morning. I could have just been like, thank you for that great bio. And I could have just moved on with nothing. Right. But I'm clear that I also have masks. It's a human thing. And it's about connection. Who do we, where can we go to take it off? Sometimes we go from work, work mask. We go from home to our family mask. We go from uh, sports, friends, uh, whatever mask. And when do we ever just get to be like, what do I want to think about? What do I want to talk? Who am I? That's been our work. And when we can do that, when people, when young people go through our workshop, uh, they recognize that they're not alone, that they're, wait, do you mean other people in here are going? Because since they're anonymous, all we know is age usually or city but we're in a workshop at a school, we don't know whose mask belongs to who, but you hear words, you're like, Wait, that could have been my word. Wait, somebody here is going through that. How's that possible? We've had one young lady at one, one recent workshop say, I really could have gone deeper on my mask. Mm. Oh, that was so beautiful mm. because what she heard in the masks that were revealed was that, Oh, I just I, I didn't go deep, I could have gone deeper. And it was a beautiful place for her to recognize that she's not alone like she, probably other people could have gone deeper too but hey if you don't know what to, you can trust people you know that people everyone else is perfect because we look at people on the outside and when have ever before our generation now have you grown up having to be somebody else right don't put your real name on that website don't put your real so everyone's somebody else everyone is Billy Bob 424 and you're trying to figure out who you who, who, who am I? Who, who am I for real? I know who I got to be on this thing. And I got to be on this on that. And I got to be this person there. Who who am I for real? And sometimes students don't even know that where they can be their own self. Um, this is the last thing I'll show you before I move on to. Well, this is one of the reflections that was um, shared with us by a student in a workshop. Uh, and it's intense, right? It's, it's a teenager, it says, will you read it for me? Will you read sure. it?
0: Emotionally intense. I have this intense pain in my thoughts because I want to cry. No one here will ever understand what I'm going through.
1: Yeah, yeah. The student was like, "This workshop was intense. Like, I really want to cry, but I, but I can't. Like, I, I, I want to. I, I'm like, Have you ever held, held back a cry? Have you ever held mm-hmm. back a cry? You know the pain. Like, and what we know is that everyone's not able to let those feelings out, even when we make the space for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Even though
1: they brought us in as a pro- team, a professional to come in and create a space for students. we Luckily, the student told us this, right? Because we know that even though we make the space, it's sometimes really hard for them because they have to go to a place. No one will ever understand what I'm going through. That student mm-hmm. still felt that. And we understand. And we, we appreciate them, right? We appreciate them for sharing their words on a simple reflection that they believe that no one could possibly understand what they're going through. But guess what? Everyone else is probably thinking the same. No one would understand what I'm going through. So I'm going to get good at this mask. I'm going to get good at this smile. I'm going to get good at being overachiever. And it's not just for kids in Oakland schools. I'm talking about we do workshops in private schools all over the country. And those kids, just because they got a fancy school, doesn't mean they're not going through stuff. Just because they're going to go to an Ivy League school, doesn't mean they're not going through things internally. Mm -hmm. It's real. It's human stuff. And so... That's the work that we get to do. And so we, we've, we've been, we, we encourage educators to like be a part of this transformation of education in a way, right? Like every kid who went home over the pandemic did not go home to loving, caring, beautiful spaces.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Some did. Some didn't want to come back because no one was judging their shoes or their clothes or their hygiene. All they saw was this little rectangle they got to create. And then they come back to school and now people are 360 degrees judging
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> up and down, <laughs> right? Like it went a year with no one even having to be able to judge them. Right. Teachers could turn off the chat. How do you turn off a chat when somebody's whispering in your ear, <laughs> saying mean things about you? It's a whole nother world.
0: Yeah.
1: And we thought that because we brought them back to the building, that everything was going to be fine. I think schools are in the early days of what we came back to after the pandemic was like, Oh, as long as we got enough sanitizer, enough masks, We'll be okay. You didn't think about the emotional overload of kids. And that's the work I've been doing with educators. Like, look, some kids came back. They were excited to be back in school. And Some kids was like, no, 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 no. I, I don't want to be here anymore. I, I could do the homework in my room. I could do it on the floor. I could do it in the backyard. I could do it. Land on the, I could, Now I'm back in these hard desks sitting seven hours a day in a place where I can only can go to the bathroom when they tell me I can go. Like all the things that we just may not think about as adults that our kids are dealing with and what we hear from kids even now more today. Some kids are nervous about the day when school says we don't have to wear masks anymore. Mm-hmm. Some kids are like, I'm not showing my face. What if what if you're a kid who don't have a positive self-image? Mm-hmm. What if you don't like what you see when you look in the mirror? And now we go back where people say, no, you don't need to wear it anymore, but you feel like you need to wear it and now, who gets judged? Why are you wearing that? Like all, all the layers of things that our kids are, have to deal with in an adult when a, in a world that our most adults may not even be able to contemplate or understand. But what we do is we ask students with one picture and six words what's going on, And most students, 97 ninety eight percent plus, will share. Mm-hmm. Some will the card will be blank. They may draw something, and then there's no words. and we know that guess what? sometimes even when it's anonymous. It's hard to let people know how you're doing, and we're okay with, and we get it. But it's really about making space for them when they're ready, when they can, that they are able to share. And as a school, we can be doing something about it. We can day one, like in California, we do this thing called the Healthy Kids Survey. I don't know who runs it, and if you're on this call, sorry, because I'm going to talk bad about it. They take the survey in like March, right? March, or April, and then you get the survey results back in like October, November of the following school year. All right, fine. <laughs> What good is that? We're going to take data from last year and like try to apply it to this next year. And we have put some fancy reports together. Look, here's what I'm clear about. When we ask students to write one picture in six words. We can find out in the next 20 minutes mm-hmm. what a litmus test of our, of our community is going through, what's happening. And then we can have conversations about stuff. I'm not saying that that report that the Healthy Kids Survey does is not fancy and it's not good and it's not useful. I, I'm, not, I'm not here to judge that. But I'm talking about the timeliness of it. You can't wait. Like kids are going through stuff today. You are gonna wait six, seven months before you tell them what they were going through six, seven months ago. They're going through new stuff. So what we've created with this tool is something that's simple and is important. And so we're we, we, we want people. We want teachers all over the world. We, we have a goal of collecting a million masks. And so between now and November 11th, so November 11th is a big day for us. 11, 11, 22. I mean, that's a, a, math te- a math teacher, so <laughs> you can see the math number in there, eleven, eleven, twenty-two. <laughs> it's a Friday. It. It's, la- it's uh, Labor Day. I mean, it's a uh, Veterans Day, excuse me. We're going to have a live event somewhere here in the Bay Area. But what we do know for people all over the country, we're inviting them to be a part of this movement with their students. And there's a really cool tool we created with millionmass.org. And we think that when we can begin having those conversations with students, when we can begin recognizing and helping them recognize that we're human, too. I think the connection is even deeper. The, the ability to help them learn is even better. For, look, here's what I know about, about kids. Some kids, um, you don't even have to show up and they're going to do fine. I mean, I've had kids, when I took a day off, gave no homework, come back to school, some kid inevitably is going to be like, Mr. Branch, here's my homework. I'm like, what are you talking about? There was no homework. They're like, oh, well, I thought you just forgot, so I made it up. I'm like... <laughs> Well, then grade it yourself (laughs) because I didn't give any for a purpose. (laughs) And and then kids, I could take their homework to their house in a manila folder with a pencil and eraser. And that kid's not doing the homework. Mm -hmm. So imagine if you're teaching a group of students who from those who make up their own work when you don't show up to those who don't even do it, if you deliver it to them. There's work that we have to do outside of just teaching. It's connection, it's building, it's community, it's understanding. And that's what we try and do with this movement. And that's what we're trying to do with Ever Forward. So,
0: I love that so much. And I think it's such a, a, a tool that teachers can just use in their classrooms right now when they go back to school. And I think it's so important to coming off of this school year. I'm sure you've been listening to educators just talking about the social and emotional challenges of students from this past year is like nothing they've ever seen before. Um, and what a powerful tool to start this next year off with our students of showing them, like, we really care as your teacher about who you are and what you're going through and what's underneath what we don't see, um, and showing them that they're not alone, that their classmates feel the same way. And perhaps that we, as teachers, ourselves feel that same way too and we can share that vulnerability and that authenticity with them so that they feel not alone and that it's okay and it's safe to share what they're actually really going through yeah um so i love that that tool so much so that's at millionmasks.org or um
1: um it's singular million,
0: million mask- millionmasks.org. so we'll yep. include that and the link obviously to your website in the show notes for everybody right um is there anything else that you want to share i mean i've just so enjoyed listening to you for the past 45 minutes. I could sit here all day and just listen to your. It was so
1: fast. It was so fast. Sorry. <laughs> it was so fast. I, I got excited. I get, I get excited about this work. I hope anybody who's listening knows that, um, you know, we as a small nonprofit, we're trying to do big work in the world. And if you want to use these tools, we ask that I mean, we, we have, we have a couple of asks we ask from people we, because what we know is that the only way that we can show funders and people that that is working is mm-hmm. that when you make a mask with students, that you share them with us, take pictures of them, email them to us on the digital tool. They're automatic there. So no worries. But if you are, if you want to use the paper tools, we have a, a tool that a box that we created so that you can use that because what we want to be able to do is show the world, like what we know with not only the, the, the mass we've already collected, but the mass that haven't yet to be collected, mm-hmm. that our kids are, are human. And some parents and some teachers think that you know kids better than they know you. But here's what I tell parents with teachers, parents and students. Students, you know your parents just as much as they know you. You've been watching them before you could say words to them. You knew from the crinkle in their forehead to when it was a good moment, when it was a bad, like you knew how to get their attention. You knew how to keep them from, you know, you knew how to like, pretend like nothing was happening even though they were like looking at you with ink all over your face like oh no I I didn't touch the ink (laughs) like they've been watching you you've been watching them and they're you all are communicators in different ways and so how do we make sure that for educators who are in classes with kids who are coming from all different places maybe even with language like like we when my first year teaching I taught students who didn't speak English and I didn't speak Spanish so my job was to figure out how to communicate with them in a way that was going to help math. Now, math, you can draw pictures and numbers. So it kind of helps with some ways of learning without having a full communication. But it requires a caring. And I tell teachers, look, if you care more about the subject that you teach than the subjects who you're teaching, you're going to have a disconnect sometimes mm-hmm. for those same kids that I spoke about earlier. But what I'm clear about is when a kid knows that you care about them, they will go above and beyond for you. And the same thing is the opposite. If a kid knows you don't like them, here's what I'm clear about how I was, then the feelings probably going to be mutual.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: our, our job is to help educate students and help build community. We have to recognize there's so much more than we can see with our eyes. And now that students are wearing masks, how do we even tell if a student is... Are you smiling? Are you frowning? Are you in a bad mood? All I can see is your eyes. And if you don't have expressive eyes, how do I know that? How am I know how you're doing behind what I'm seeing on the outside? Mm-hmm. And so our work today is more than ever, just, I want to appreciate teachers. I want you to know that uh, if you ever hear something Ashanti says, something bad about teachers it's from love. It's, it's from love. It's from a place of love. And if, um, if you're not willing to help um, challenge your colleagues who are not doing well by students, if you're not willing to challenge the systems that are not doing well by teachers and by students, then I, I, have to ask myself how much do I actually love it? And for many times I was trying to like be nice and just don't say nothing. Don't make anybody mad, but I, but I'm done with that. And I'm done with mm-hmm. that. Our schools are needing people who are in those buildings, who love students who know that it's hard work and who are willing to um, do what it takes. And sometimes it's not in the curriculum. Mm -hmm. (laughs) sometimes it's not in the curriculum you know what i we have this tool that we have been working with educators with for um officially five years unofficially for lots of years and what we know is that some schools don't want students to make these masks why because what are we how are we going to fix it if we find out something's going on Mm. as if not having them not talk about it in 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 this anonymous tool is going to make it go away doesn't go away yeah. it doesn't mean that it's going it's coming out some way here's what we them: um, emotions are energy in motion there's a way you can stuff emotions for a long time some people are easier stuffers than others some are eruptors you probably have some eruptors in your classes and then they feel you're gonna know about it right away some kids you never know what they feel you're like are you okay everything fine mm, yep fine i'm good everything you sure like mm-hmm. you're trying to read it you feel like something's off and guess what the energy is coming out So whether it comes out in the classroom, whether it comes out in academics, whether it comes out in the playground, whether it comes out in sports, whether the the stuff that they're going to do, maybe it comes out when they've graduated from your school and gone to the next level. But the stuff is coming. Mm -hmm. And what we're trying to say is we're not trying to unleash any trauma from kids. What we're trying to say is if your kids are going through stuff that we're trying to just hope that we don't ever need to know about because we don't have time to deal with it, then maybe we're not really working on a whole child. And it's okay. Let's just not make our website, and our our motto or our mission of the school say whole child learning, because if you're not really one whole child, you just want academic child Mm -hmm. then just say it. So everyone who comes to your school knows that you're going to focus on the academic well-being of kids and not the emotional and whole whole being of kids.
0: Yeah. And
1: so our work is really trying to make sure we do all of it. So. Um, Thank you for letting me be here. And I'm so excited about you and your community.
0: Absolutely. I mean, thank you so much for joining us. And I just want to send everyone back to your website as well. Like, I know, you know, EB Academics will happily um, give a donation to you guys and your work. And it's great that you're, you know, a nonprofit so that we can do that for you. Um, and we're also so excited because you're joining our EB teachers next week to do a live in-person, um, not in-person, I wish it was in-person, <laughs> live virtual workshop with our teachers. And I'm just so excited for you to, to get to come and talk to them there as well. And just the work that you do is incredible. Um, and thank you so much for taking a part of your day to join us on the podcast. It was such a pleasure. All of your information will include for our listeners in um, the show notes for this. And then next time we do something, we should meet in person. Yeah. You Because we are like 45 minutes away from each other.
1: (laughs) That's right. I'm ready. I look forward to it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank
0: you so much, Ashanti, for joining us. And teachers, we will see you next week on the podcast. Bye, everyone.